welcome to Hattrick. I am Jordan Dyler Coltman. I am joined by Braden Dyler Coltman and Elliot Tanti. We are back after another uh, leisurely month here in February. I feel like this is the time of year where a lot of sports fans kind of like, I don't know, they, they go through a little bit of like football withdrawal if that's their drug of choice. They're kind of preparing for all of the weird off-season stuff that comes after the Super Bowl, but there isn't really like actual football on the field. Uh, baseball season hasn't gotten going, but you're kind of in that like beginning to start to get excited about spring training because doesn't that start in like Next two week. weeks? Yeah. And so they're kind of there's that itch there. The NBA and the NHL are kind of in the dog days of their season. You know, you kind of know if your team's got a shot of making the playoffs or it doesn't. But it's that weird. It's that weird sort of like February period before it either ramps up for playoffs or the offseason gets underway. But uh, we are here and we are going to talk about all things uh, sports related, as is the uh, recipe to success we have found on this show. Um, before we do that, really quickly, Elliot, I have to ask: uh, on a scale of one to ten, where would you rate this year's Super Bowl? This year's Super Bowl, you have to put it. it you know, this is the thing: when you do one to tens, you know, when I do that at the restaurant, I say, I ask the server, rate this meal on a scale of one to 10, excluding seven. And the reason why you do that, because if they say eight, then you know it's good. And if you know it's six, you know it's bad. I would say this year's Super Bowl, probably a nine. Wow. Uh, Braden, could you rate uh, this year's Pro Bowl for me? Yeah. Oh, the Pro Bowl? Yeah. Oh, definitely a seven. Why? Okay. I didn't watch it. All right. Sounds good. Let's leave it there. This is topic one. That's not a topic. I got to, you know, that's good. That's good. Spice, spice it up. That was good. Caught me off guard. They don't even play a Pro Bowl anymore. It's called the Pro Bowl games and they play flag football. Hey, it, and a it bunch of carnival games. Yeah. I mean, that's what all all-star games are. I forgot you to watch. The all-star game was with the NHL and we just celebrate it like. It was much better. Don't even don't disparage that. That was much higher quality product than uh, the Pro Bowl. All right, let's get to uh, what we are actually here to talk about. Topic one will be uh, the first time we have really spent any time talking about the Oilers in a little while, Um, mostly because they didn't play a lot of hockey uh, between the December and February here, but they're gearing up for what is going to be a pretty frenetic end to the season. I believe they have more games in hand than any other team in the NHL. Uh, there are teams in their own division who have played five or more games than them at this point in the schedule. So there's lots of hockey to be played um, for the Edmonton Oilers, who currently sit after 52 games with a record of 33, 18, and one. Obviously bolstered by two very impressive win streaks. Um, but since losing in Vegas, snapping that um, that almost record-setting win streak that they were on coming out of the Christmas and All Star break. Uh, they, you know, they've kind of shown a little bit of um, some of the, the the struggles they had earlier in the year have kind of cropped up. They've managed to push them back in certain games, weren't able to do it in other games. Um, the big thing for me observing this team is it feels like there are a lot of hockey games where throughout the second period, we're watching the Edmonton Oilers, who on paper uh, should be the better team, kind of play with their food. And then come third period, they, you know, put in three or four goals and call it a night and walk home with a W. But they're not... They're not able to play a full 60 minutes, it seems, at that level consistently, I, I guess I would say. Um, the question I'll ask you, Braden, first is, is, should we be concerned about that? Or do you think that this is just the part of the season we're in where they're not going to be able to get up for every game the same way they were necessarily during that streak? Uh, and and I suppose at the same time, like because now they're back in a player spot, did, did the dynamics change because of that? 
I think for myself, I mean, that's a hard question to answer because it, there's so many different factors that come to it. What I like to see is the consistency. It does suck that they sort of, you know, the, the other team ends up figuring out what's going on and they, they put them back on their heels. But then in the third period, quite consistently, they're, they're able to put it away. Uh, what I like to see is that there's like a, there's a concerted effort to bounce back more than we saw certainly at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think you're right. They've definitely been able to at least shore up defensively in positions where they're able to stay in hockey games. Stuart Skinner playing a lot better. He had a couple of rough nights there recently, but for the most part, he's been a much improved player over over the long haul here. The reliability. Now, yeah, well, sorry. It's the reliability that I like. You know, like we're not relying on the fact that we need power plays to score goals these days. Like the five on five is exceptional, exceptionally well. And we have, you know, three, possibly four, but three, Solid lines that will score goals. Well, and 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 to be fair, they weren't they weren't actually finding some power play success there for a little while. And certainly the penalty kill has had a slip over the last couple of weeks. But as you say, like they've found ways to win some of those games and at least stay sort of out of the trend of, you know, dropping three or four in a row. Elliot, for you, you look at this team, I think, you know, you remain maybe more level-headed through the streak than Braden and I did in terms of never getting kind of too excited about where they were. Where do you look at how do you look at this team today in terms of how you evaluate where they sit? Obviously, they climb out of a big hole, they're back in a playoff spot, but as as I pointed out, a little bit of inconsistency still remains. Yeah, I mean, Tanti polling strikes again. I think last time we were all talking, I told you they'd lose to Vegas and they did. The concern for me, Jordan, isn't the second period. It's the fact that the last two losses have come against division rivals that they're gonna have to beat in the playoffs, that being Vegas and LA. And that is concerning to me because those are the teams that you need to beat. And if you're playing at your best and still continue to lose, that gives me pause. Now, I think they are a better team than both of those teams when it comes to playoff time. At least I hope as an Oilers fan. But that certainly gives me pause. And that's the concern I have with the Oilers right now. Okay, so let's just really quickly peer into our crystal balls and make a couple predictions here as we move into what will be, I think in two weeks here, trade deadline time. Um, what do the Oilers need to add and who are you willing to sacrifice for the greater good as they prepare for, you know, an, an all in playoff run, which is where this team is going to be uh, until they either succeed or fall completely apart and, and lose their big pieces every year at this point has to be all in or die. Uh, what do they need and who should they go out and target uh, to get to, to, to satisfy that need Braden? Uh, you could go in so many different directions again. Holland. So where would you the go? Last, you go his last conference, which was like, because they're doing so well, <laughs> what would you do? I think, I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't, go after a, a, a top six winger more scoring at the, I mean, they're scoring, but at the playoff, come playoff time to, to even go deeper with scoring would be fantastic. I I think that they go after, I mean, number one, they've been after Gensel. I think that's the guy that would be He's hurt though. Yeah. How long? I don't know. Yeah. By a trade deadline, I'm sure he'll be back in the lineup. I just, I'd say Gensel or Tarasenko would be a great addition to the team. Elliot, where would you be going? And again, who would you be willing to sacrifice or what assets would you be willing to part with to make that happen? I mean, I think the solution is the problem here for the Oilers. I heard this weird stat where they've gone like 168 games or 170 games where they haven't had a top six defense actually been hurt. Our depth hasn't mm -hmm. been 
tested. Uh, but how are you going to get another good defenseman? Well, you're going to have to give up a young defenseman. It's probably Broberg. Broberg needs to head out. That's what I'd sacrifice. If you're bringing in another Ekholm type contract or, you know, rental, maybe that's pretty sketchy. Um, but I think the problem with the Oilers is their defensive depth or their defense in general, which you know, shines fairly bright in the playoffs and it's where it's been a weakness in the last two playoff runs. So, yeah, I mean, if so you move, so you bring in a, bring in a defenseman, you move up Broberg. Broberg's not on the team currently. Yeah. Who does it bump? It's, I don't, I don't think that's a question. I I think the greater question, I don't think which side are you on? Which side are you on left or right? But I, I mean, yeah, money's got to go out. I That's think this goes challenge. back to my original point in this segment, which is like, are the Oilers actually contending team this year? Because despite the winning streak, despite the success they've been having for the last little bit, they've lost to the two teams they are definitely going to have to beat in the playoffs. They're going to play one or two of Vegas or L.A. Is this the year to go for it? I guess if you decide it is because Dry Settle's contract is up, then you're going to have to go for it and you're going to have to give something up. But the last two losses of the last, you know, five games have given me pause and should be giving the Oilers front pass pause too. All right, we'll leave it there for now. That's topic one. Hey, podcast listeners. My name is Larise Campbell, and along with my co-host, former Olympic bobsledder, Alicia Olson, I am so excited to introduce you to the Mother Pucker podcast. And if you love the Oilers like we do, you are going to love our show. It's just two gals who aren't afraid to drop the gloves and throw some hot takes about the boys in blue and orange. Whether you're a massive hockey fan like us or just looking for some new voices talking about the Oilers blue line or lack thereof, we promise the show is for you. So subscribe now and tell your friends. It's time for the Mother Pucker podcast. All right, topic two here. Uh, Braden's favorite name of any segment we've ever done, the Tour de Horizon. Not bad, eh? I've been practicing. Tour de Horizon. Um, which only after we did the last episode and we agreed to call the segment that did I actually Google how it was spelled. And it's basically just Tour de Horizon. So thank Tour you for that. Uh, that's right. Thank you. for Have the, have the sound cue up, Braden, uh, as we get ready for this. So again, reminding to our new and longtime listeners uh this is a segment in which i have prepared a smorgasbord of i have to say that like the swedish chef i can't do it any other way smorgasbord of topics related uh to sports from all over the sports world that i have not given Braden or elliot um advanced warning on so they are not prepared uh to to share their thoughts on these which is why it always leads to good content so i'm going to rip through them in a rapid fire style ask some sort of odd angled questions to get us into this and then they're just going to give us their takes as we go through it first let's stick to hockey because we were just talking about it um do you think that the fact that the league leading and Western conference leading Vancouver Canucks have dropped their last three games should be cause for concern for Canucks fans, Elliot. Yeah, I mean, you lose 10 7 to Minnesota. <laughs> it was, I was like, a I thought that was awesome. Um, lost to uh, Winnipeg previous to that, and then they just lost tonight to, 
to Colorado, who's a real, really good team. Now, to be fair to the Canucks, they lost 3-1. One of those was an empty net goal. So a much better showing, certainly, uh, against you know a recent Stanley Cup champ. But it's three in a row. And they have not done that this season. Not I mean, once. this is the Tour de Horizon. Yeah, I would be worried if I was a Vancouver Canucks <laughs> fan. That's a problem. And they need to sort it out quickly because their integrity is starting to show, apparently. Much like the Oilers. Tour de Horizon. Perfect. Thank you. We spoke moments earlier about the NHL trade deadline. The NBA trade deadline passed and a very large sort of rumor slash bombshell dropped when it became apparent uh, through a leak that the Golden State Warriors apparently took a swing at LeBron James, got so far as both teams' ownerships had talked. It sounded like Draymond Green, who shares an agent there with Endeavor, uh, and Rich Paul also reached out directly to the agent and tried to you know, pitch the idea to LeBron. And then apparently the ownership for the Los Angeles Lakers went so far as to ask LeBron if he would be interested in such a move, knowing that they seem to be struggling at this point. He's vocalized his phone frustrations with where the team is at, um, but then turned down such an opportunity. He said, no, he wanted to stay with the Lakers. My question to you, Braden, is this, who benefits most from this leak? Uh, fans. I mean, nope, no. Well, yeah, that's interesting. You should say that. I, I, I think there's value that, uh, galvanizes either team in this position i don't i just don't think it's much i don't think there's much actually going on with that i think that was sort of a media a fun little media frenzy well it's, um, the thing for me though is if you've got two teams in the same conference who have gone to this much trouble to at least try to make a deal there's at least some smoke there my, my question about the leak is this who do you think leaks this does this come from the Lakers side? No, because then it gives the them Warriors. leverage over keeping LeBron quiet about whatever they do or don't do. Because it's like, hey, we gave you an out. You didn't take it. We gave no. you a chance. You can't complain. Does it benefit the Golden State Warriors to say, hey, look, to our fans, we took a swing. But equally, you've kind of outed Green as having kind of been in on this. And how does a guy like Clay Thompson feel, considering he's probably the piece that would have had to move out of the way to make space for LeBron? Like, how does that dynamic work? Not that Draymond Green's ever really had issues in terms of running his mouth about things. But, Brain, we're like, I got to understand you're where this comes from. You're trying to get from. me to say, yeah, I don't think it comes from anything. Like, I don't. Think well, it came it from somewhere. Yeah. No, the media didn't just make it up. Well, I don't think, I, yeah, I don't think that there was a lot of weight behind either of these. Like, at, when it comes to like making it uh, a, a big deal for each team, I don't think that there's much there to to consider. That's a bit too conspiracy uh, for me. All right, this one is not conspiracy at all, Elliot. Let's jump to this for a second. Um, I would like you to tell me on the you know in the pantheon of Canadian athletes, we've talked about Christine Sinclair a lot on this show. We've talked about the Golden Goal and Sidney Crosby. Obviously, we're Oilers fans. We know all about Wayne Gretzky. Where do you put Jennifer Jones in the pantheon of Canadian athletes? She's playing her final Scotties tournament. She's a one-time Olympic gold medalist, two-time world champion, a ship uh, winner. Two times she's won the Scotties Tournament Hearts. It seemed like forever she captained Team Canada uh, as the best women's skip in the country. Um, I believe she's 3-0 and so far entering this tournament, um, representing Manitoba in what she has said will be her final championship. 
Um, I'm sorry. She's won the Scotties tournament hearts four times. My apologies. Um, but where do you put her in sort of the pantheon of Canadian athletes? Hmm. It's a good question. There's a for all our curling diehards out there. There's a woman, I can't remember her name, but as soon as you say it, I'll remember her. Jordan, what's her name? You should have given me a heads up on this. No, this is the whole point of the Tori Doison. We don't give you a heads up. Who's what woman are you talking about? Thank you for that, Braden. You talking <laughs> Colleen Jones? Colleen Jones. Rachel oh. Holman. No. No, Colleen Jones, who represented Canada for a number of years, particularly when I was growing up and watching curling a lot because I could play mini sticks in front of the TV while I did it. And Jennifer Jones has excited a nation. She's excited uh, women's curling, and she's been there for a long time. And uh, while she's retiring from four-person play, is going to continue to play the mixed doubles uh, format, which I think is an exciting new thing for curling. Yeah, I mean, she's 1A, 1B. That's what I would, that's where I would put her. She's... Great. I, 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 I think she deserves all the fanfare that she should get. She's 3-0 right now. She's going to win the Scotties. Tanti polling. Call it here first. That'll be her send-off. And rightfully so. She's done an amazing job representing the sport. She's brought into the mainstream. There's a TV contract there because she has excited a young group of women um, who play curling. And there's an investment in curling there. And I, I don't know what much else there is to say. She's, you know generational all right so speaking generationally this segment is all just about me finding ways to connect these dots it's fantastic we should come up with a new it should be the connect the dots topic. thank you Braden. <laughs> Braden, in terms of the history or what i call it before the pantheon that's what i said the pantheon the, the pantheon of um athlete moves where do you put Lewis Hamilton announcing he's moving to Ferrari? Oh, that's pretty exciting. That's a big one. That's like that's like that's sort of like Tom Brady moving to the Bucks. It's like you, No, you, it is not like that at all. I'm sorry. That would be like Tom Brady moving to the 49ers or the Cowboys. This is Ferrari is the biggest team in the history of motorsport and the best athlete to do the the to, to, to do the sport right now is moving there to end his career, presumably. I should be asking you. You're While I'm asking you, where do you put it? it? Is it as big as Gretzky to LA? Is it as big well, I as... I just said it's as big as Brady to the bus. Yeah, but, like, which to no, me does no, not you. feel like so a good... That is not a big question. move. That's a that's a desperation move. I not, mean, a, like, not a big move as in terms of LeBron the to the heat? What I'm saying... Jesus, like, call it whatever you want. It's big. It's a Messi big to move. Miami. What, what's crazy is... Uh, uh, everyone knows Lewis for Mercedes. That's it. It's pretty much it. You say Lewis Hamilton's, you think Mercedes. So the idea of it being a different car, a different team, that's a big move. It'll be it'll be fun to watch. I mean, for a sport that is slowly fading away in terms of my interest, because nothing ever changes at the top, viva the Red Bull, um, it'll be fun to see if Lewis can make an impact in, uh, in Ferrari, which seemingly has a, a good car. They just haven't been able to, to, you know, have the, um, have the right driver to make it happen for them. No, that's, right. that makes you soft of a take. It is like Wayne Gretzky to LA and that just like Wayne Gretzky, Lewis Hamilton will never win a championship. Oh! 
There you go. All right, Elliot. So as the diehard Red Bull fan amongst us, let me ask you this. Can you name all and without Googling, get your hand off that, get it off there. Hands up. There we go. This is this is next on my list. I want you to tell me the 10 teams that will be lining up on the grid this year in Formula One. They're going into winter testing this upcoming week. I want you to name all 10 teams and their current names because there's a few names that have changed. This is a little Drivers, programming teaser before we get pit stop back on the air. No, Braden, 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 Braden. Let Elliot try. Let's see if he can name. Let's see how many of 10 he can Your name and then engineer. you can jump in. This All is right. a trap question. The only team that matters is Red Bull. Fine. Let's name them. That's number one. Give me another nine. Ferrari. Yes. Aston Martin. Yes. Uh, this is going to get boring very quickly. Just keep guessing. Or you tell me when you're out. Mercedes. Yeah, good. We're at four. We're, we're doing pretty well. You're almost halfway there. Uh, what's the orange team with the American? It rhymes with Beglaren. McLaren. <laughs> Dude, that's five. They haven't changed. So, so far, you've named all the teams that haven't changed their name. There's one other one that has not yet changed its name. Actually, there's two more. Rise with uh, Jalpine. Uh, Romero, Alfio Romero. Okay, so that's one team that's changed its name. We'll come back to them in a second. Yeah, it's almost a ga- it's almost amazing this sport has lost interest as quickly as it... Uh, oh, stop. Hey, Drive to Survive. One team has never up. changed their name. They're still on the grid. So before you start giving us shit for it, this uh, is a that legacy British? team. It runs with, with the old guy that died. Runs with Trilliums. That'd be Williams. Williams, yeah, okay. And then there's the French team, Alpine, previously yeah. Renault. They changed the name a few years ago. You have Haas. Yeah, oh, Haas. I could have guessed that one. Too. Okay. <laughs> but then we get to the really fun part. We got two teams here with some of the dumbest names in the history of sports. This well, is that, when sponsorship one. has gone yeah. too far. There's, there's like a Japanese team that we talked about not too long ago, or like they've got a Japanese oil company or some some other thing that just like that's a sponsor on the side. That's true. That is a sponsor on the side. That's yeah. not actually uh, what I was going to say though. So there's two teams. One. There's a there's a team that traditionally was known as Sauba. That is the own like that's their legacy name. They're still Sa- Sauba Motorsports, but they've always had another name. Previously, as you pointed out, Alfa Romeo was the brand name on top of Sauba. They will become Audi in a year's time, but until then, they have partnered with two companies. At certain races, they will be known as Kick Sauba. Kick Sauba. And at other races where gambling is legal, they will be known as Stake Kick Salba. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that one's pretty dumb because some races, they're one team, some races, another. But here's the dumbest one of all. And the best part about this, Elliot, is Red Bull is all over this. So previously known as Alpha Tauri, before that, Alpha um, Torroso, this is the the junior Red Bull team. And there's a lot of controversy right now about the bigger teams pushing back, being like, this is enough is enough. Red Bull doesn't need a development team. No other team does this. They don't let this team even win. They don't even No, they just have deals and partnerships there with their engines, but they don't have a controlling stake in the team. That's the exception here. This team is called, and I kid you not, the Visa Cash Card RB. You swipe it really quick. So we're just calling it V card. They will be known so as V card. They tap. They will their tap card. <laughs> All right. Last question here for Tour Horizon. Look, I had to give a little bit of a tease. We're relaunching the Pit Stop podcast in a week's time. 
It's big for the network. It's important that we, it's one of our best doing, or like a, one of our best shows. If you haven't heard it, check it out. And it's very self-serving for me to say this as I'm a co-host on it, but at the same time, it's a lot of fun. And I appreciate Ray, what you're saying, the, the, the sort of like fad fandom around formula one is definitely faded. But I think that what's great about that is that it has allowed new fans who truly invested in the sport to like feel a little bit better ownership of it now. Cause it's not, everybody they know trying to talk formula one the people that kind of have stuck with it that investment's paying off it's like oh now i actually give you know what I mean? it's fun and i think there's still a lot of fans to, of this sport um they're gonna they're gonna race more times this year than they've ever raced before there's gonna be a lot of eyeballs on it let's talk about the last thing a mercedes engine you'll definitely last uh well uh, let's see how it goes for red bull and the ford they're about to put in theirs toro toro horizon finale horizon we have talked on this show about the Pro Bowl. We have talked on the show about the NHL All-Star Game. I need you to give me your verdict on the LED floor and the new gimmicks surrounding the NBA All-Star Game. Did it work for you? And uh, if not, why? Why does it have to be a gimmick? I absolutely loved it. I thought I still and will, f- well, hopefully forever, as long as Adam Silver's there, I'm sure it will be the case. Um, think the NBA is way ahead on pretty much everything it it, it is doing um, with its league. I love it. I don't think you can really do it in other leagues, frankly. Have an LED, what? An LED floor. Um, <laughs> Fine. They won't do it for the games, but it, it made it really entertaining. It was like it 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 fit. It was it yeah it fit. It was fun. I thought that uh, skills challenge was fun. I enjoyed the one one on one that um, three point contest that they had with Steph Curry and Sabrina Ionescu. Uh, again, investing in um, you know their their female counterparts. Um, yeah, but I want to push back on one thing. You gotta you have to at least concede that, that it was one of the weaker dunk contests we've seen in recent years. It was one of the weaker dunk contests and probably one of the weaker. Uh, games uh, for sure, uh, but that's that's going to be hit and miss. I mean, I wouldn't say it's the weakest dunk contest I've ever seen. I, I still don't understand how they have a guy that's not even he's playing in the G League uh, competing in the in the dunk contest. Well, nobody in the NBA really, none of the big stars want to do it. Apparently, well, yeah, I mean, and that's that's something to look at. It's a hard thing to do. It's it, there's sure. a lot of pressure. You got to be really creative, but at the same time, I think the problem in my opinion with the dunk contest is the way it's judged i think that mm. you know it's not there's there's no consistency everything's either a perfect score or really really terrible um the criteria doesn't seem to be there every year it's it changes when we had a there was like a a fad for a while during the blake griffin dwight howard era where it was all about the costumes and those kind of gimmicks bringing out cars to jump over and now we just get variations of guys jumping over tall guys and i I think that there's i think that they they might want to just look at well it's interesting the um nhl brought in like their best players to talk about what they could do with the all-star game and they turned around and did some pretty fun things this year i think so perhaps there's a opportunity to bring in some of the better better players in the NBA to talk about how, how to, how to improve that. I think there's still a conversation to be had around um, uh, if the all-star game can have an impact on the season itself. The NBA tried the in-season tournament, which had an impact on, on the season and it proved to be pretty successful. I I have a hot take on that one competition. 
I just think that there's more there that they could do in terms of uh, improving the competition. So just before I finish this, I wanted to get your your thoughts on this hot take. I think that the the and maybe I've already kind of shared this idea, but I'm more I, I believe it more strongly now than I did even before. I think the in season tournament was a audition for Amazon or Netflix or one of the streamers to basically say, Hey, come buy this one-off package from the NBA. You can't have NBA rights, but we will sell you just the in-season games to your streamer as the like testing of what the future of the NBA product could be. I could see that. Sure. And I would not be surprised if we see a deal at the end of the year where it's like the net, you know, Netflix goes and pays a billion dollars or whatever to broadcast just those tournament games and Wonder. turns it into just a spectacle. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. Anyway, that is the conclusion. You got your finger on the trigger there, Braden. No, oh, there it is. Well done. Um, and it, that is also the conclusion of topic two. Hey, if you're a fan of Formula One, then I've got the perfect podcast for you. The Pit Stop Podcast presented by the Ordinary Podcasting Network. After every single race of the Formula One schedule, Jordan and Tyler will break it down, give you some news, analysis, insight, before answering your questions and setting you up for the next race. That's the Pit Stop Podcast, available everywhere you get your podcasts. All right, let's finish this off uh, as only we know how with hats off. Uh, I will go first to Elliot. Elliot. Uh, who would you like to take your hat off to this week? I wasn't ready because you said I would go first. I guess my hat <laughs> goes off this week to NHL leading team, NHL leading team with the most hat tricks. Oh, no, wait. Player Austin oh. Matthews has six hat tricks this season. It's more than any other team in the league. He's projected to score 75 goals this year. Whether he does it or not doesn't matter. It's insane that we're at this point in the season, more than halfway through. He has more hat tricks than any other team does, including the Edmonton Oilers, who I think have five. He has six. That is impressive. And they're not empty net goals. This guy is scoring good goals. He's scoring important goals. <clears throat> he's basically the only reason why the Toronto Maple Leafs are relevant outside of course, TSN and Bell Media. Um, but outside of that, hats off to him, Austin Matthews, six hat tricks this season. Very impressive. That's a great one. Um, Braden, who are you taking your hat off to? I'm tipping my hat off to the great legend that just had his jersey retired, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins legend, Jeremy Jogger. Uh, the great mullet man. Uh, Yager, however, um, had 15 hat-tricks in his career, Elliot, and uh, Matthews only has 13 to his career. And that might be... Um, six this year. That, well, six this year, yeah, but that might be it for Matthews' career for hat-tricks, and who knows? Um, Yager could still have more than him. But anyway, Yager's uh, not retiring from the game. He's uh, going into his 33rd pro season uh, with the Cladno Knights, check team that he also owns and sells popcorn and tickets to. Uh, the legend that is Yarmir Yager. The question is this. How old is he when he goes in the Hall of Fame? Because you have to have officially retired. Like, <laughs> How going, long does this go? He's what? He's like in his 50s, isn't he? 
That's what I mean. Is he does he make it to sixty? Does he make it to like, like seventy? That team is only financially viable as long as he plays for them. So he's fifty-two. Yeah. Who knows? It's funny though. Like they they showed uh, footage of him on the ice at the Pittsburgh Penguins practice. All the players are wearing mm-hmm. mullets and stuff like that. Nobody else would do this. Like this guy wants to play. He, I bet he showed up hoping that they might ask him to try out for the team. That's pretty funny. Uh, we made a joke prior to coming on that in the last couple of weeks, I have corrected people when they comes to their hats off. I did a little quick Google here, Elliot, and I hate to break it to you. Uh, there is one team with six hat tricks, the Vancouver Canucks, but you're not going to believe who one of the hat tricks belongs to. Cause I've certainly never heard of pious Sutter. Suter, what are you talking about? Don't you know anything? Highest suitors, uh, one of the re- one of the reasons the Vancouver Canucks are in the position they're in this year. Right. I didn't know that. No idea. I avoid that team as best I can. All right. Uh, I will. I will round us out here. Taking my hat off to um, Danielle Gibson. Do you know who this is? Have you heard this story? Alice. Arkansas Razorback softball. I think this might be the first time women's softball, collegiate softball has been brought up on this show. February 23rd, uh, sophomore Daniela Gibson uh, did something remarkable, something that's not even been done once in the history of Major League Baseball. She hit for the cycle, but not just the cycle. She hit for a home run cycle. So she hit a two-run home run. Then she hit a three-run home run. Then she hit a grand slam and then she hit a solo home run. And the best part about this story is this is the second time in division one softball that this has occurred, but it is the first time it has happened on four consecutive pitches to a player. The first pitch of all four of her consecutive at bats, she went yard and it is pretty crazy. Uh, Very, very impressive. I think it's, you know, just a great story. They obviously uh, pitched around here following that. I probably would have advised they do that sooner, frankly, <laughs> but uh, at least uh, they allowed her to, to, to make some, some history there. They, the, the Razorbacks ended up beating. Um, I think it was some school that, that like not even a div one school, SIU Edwardsville. Uh, they beat them 15, three. So anyway, pretty impressive. Um, just singular uh, performance for this young woman. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, and uh, my hack goes off to her. Of those fifteen runs, how much? How many? How many RBIs did she have, Jordan? I don't know. She, I, I can't do math that well, fast. How many players were on base? Well, is a two run to start, so that's one RBI. Well, it's and, two. Three. No, it's two. Runs She's, batted in. It's her. So there's one on base. And that's her. a two run home run. That's yeah. one RBI. Then there's two on base. That's three RBI. Then there's wow. three on base. Right. Well, now we're up to four, five. We're up to six. Does the you don't count as the run batted in of your? Is well, it if it's a home run? Oh, see that I wouldn't have known that. This is uh, I'm learning well, things about baseball. So a solo home run is a single RBI. That is stupid. Well, what why? a dumb statistic. You, you batted yourself. You didn't in. bat anybody, and you batted yourself you did. in. Oh, that's this is somebody. like the second assist in the NHL. It's just no, dumb it's as a, that. It's not even oh, an assist. God. It's a home. It, yeah, run. that's all it should be. It should be a run. It's not a run. It is a run. It's also a run. It's a oh. run. RBI. You don't know what you're talking. HR. Oh, brutal, brutal. If this is the call out podcast, the faster one, Elliot, is tell me how many of those runs she didn't contribute one. to. 
one Five. left. <laughs> well, there you go. That's well a done. pretty cool stat. That's pretty like crazy, yeah. It's never been done in the in, in in the major leagues, and probably because they had figured it out real quick. You you hit that many home runs in a row, they're going to stop pitching to you. Anyway, um, thank you, Elliot. Thank you, Braden. We appreciate it. As I um, sort of teased during our tour, tour or door, oh, I can't say it now. I've said it too many times. Set, topic two. Uh, Pit Stop Podcast is back. I believe it, we're returning on the 27th or 28th of February. So watch your feeds for that. If you haven't already subscribed, uh, make sure you do that. We'll be prepping and setting up for the season. Testing goes on. If also, if you haven't already, uh, you still have time to go back and check out the last episode of season two of Running Down the Clock. Um, Tyler and Puya kind of wrap up the year. They don't actually talk that much about the Super Bowl. They felt like there was a lot of other people who had a lot to say about it. They sort of just gave their overviews of the whole season and did a little bit of a preview of what they're looking forward to going into next year. So check that out wherever you subscribe. Um, also ellipses thinking is still well into its third season episodes dropping every other Friday. Check that out. Uh, and for everything else, just go to our website, ordinarypodcasts.com. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. That was Hattrick. Hattrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.